0: Hi, I'm Kate Spina. This is Toward Light, practical Buddhism for the modern world. Each week, I explore ways to apply these timeless teachings to our daily life. Hi, welcome to episode 20 of the Toward Light podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking about letting go, surrender, renunciation, relinquishment, acceptance, Over the last several episodes, I've been sharing a lot of information and a lot of lists, and it just feels like a lot to take in. So today I wanted to come from a different angle. Yes, there is this wisdom aspect of the Dharma where we take in information, we take in the teachings, but there's this other flavor of wisdom where we live and feel the Dharma, and that is how we experience the teachings. The lists and the teachings are rich and valuable, and there, there is an ineffable quality to the Dharma, to these teachings, to the path. It's something that you taste or touch into, but it's hard to put into words. The finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. The teachings point to the moon, point to the Dharma, but the Dharma is experienced in each of us. So I'm going to share some quotes, some poems, a story, some verses to help point at the dharma, point at the moon. Allow this to wash over you and notice if you can feel parts of this resonate in your body. The poet Ruth Feldman says, maps don't know everything. These teachings are a map, but what is behind that two-dimensional surface? In different ways, I've been talking about the importance of seeing how clinging and craving and grasping leads to dukkha, to difficulty, and how we need to let go or surrender or accept the way that things are. And there's no list of the seven steps to letting go or the four keys of acceptance. All of these teachings point to this, but it's something that we have to experience in our own lives. When we let go, when we let things be, we can find more ease and spaciousness. We can find the possibility of freedom. Bhikkhu Bodhi, the prolific translator, says, Renunciation, turning away from craving and its drive for gratification, becomes the key to happiness. Renunciation is such an important part of the path, letting go of craving to the best of our ability. We're seeing the harm in the craving. We may still act on it. We may still want something and go after it. But if we can track and see the difficulty and the suffering that come from that, it can often help us change our patterning. I'm using a lot of different words letting go, surrendering, relinquishing, renunciation, and acceptance. They're all pointing to the same thing. They're all pointing to this freedom, this extinguishing of the fire of craving. There's a collection of teachings called the Jataka Tales. These are said to be tales of the Buddha's lifetimes before he became Siddhartha Gautama, the historical Buddha. There are many different translations of these, and I'm just going to read one. This story is called The Fortunate Fish. Once upon a time, King Brahmadata had a very wise advisor who understood the speech of animals. He understood what they said and he could speak to them in their languages. One day the advisor was wandering along the river banks with his followers. They came upon some fishermen who had cast a big net into the river. While peering into the water they noticed a big handsome fish who was following his pretty wife. Her shining scales reflected the morning sunlight in all the colors of the rainbow. Her feather-like fins fluttered like the delicate wings of a fairy as they sent her gliding through the water. It was clear that her husband was so entranced by the way she looked and the way she moved that he was not paying attention to anything else. As they came near the net, the fish smelled it. Then she saw it and alertly avoided it at the very last moment, But her husband was so blinded by his desire for her that he could not turn away fast enough. Instead, he swam right into the net and was trapped. The fishermen pulled in their net and threw the big fish onto the shore. They built a fire and carved a spit to roast him on. Lying on the ground, the fish was flopping around and groaning in agony. Since the wise advisor understood fish talk, he translated for the others. He said, this poor fish is madly repeating over and over again. My wife, my wife, I must be with my wife. I care for her much more than for my life. The advisor thought, truly this fish has gone crazy. He is in this terrible state because he has become a slave to his own desire. And it is clear that he has learned nothing from the results of his actions. If he dies keeping such agony and the desire that caused it in his mind, he will surely continue to suffer by being reborn in some hell world. Therefore, I must save him. So the kind man went over to the fishermen and said, Oh, my friends, loyal subjects of our king, you have never given me and my followers a fish for our curry. Won't you give us one today? They replied, Oh, royal minister, please accept from us any fish you want. "'The big one on the riverbank looks delicious,' said the advisor. "'Please take him, sir,' they said. Then he sat down on the bank. He took the fish who was still groaning into his hands. He spoke to him in the language only fish can understand, saying, "'You foolish fish. "'If I had not seen you today, you would have gotten yourself killed. "'Your blind desire was leading you to continued suffering. "'From now on, do not let yourself be trapped by your own desires.' Then the fish realized how fortunate he was to have found such a friend. He thanked him for his wise advice. The minister released the lucky fish back into the river and went on his way. So there are concrete things that can trap our attention, hold us in this snare of desire, whether it's a person or a career path or something we want to buy. But we can also cling to ideas, to culture, to personality, to habits. So when we're making choices, sometimes it's useful to ask the question, am I following craving right now? And I love in this story how this advisor helps this fish, right? So sometimes we need people in our lives to help us see through our craving. When I'm making big decisions, depending on the decision, I have different people I go to to get advice, to get support, to ask questions, to make sure that I'm not caught in craving and not seeing the whole picture. And this fish gets to go swim away and still be with his wife, but it's in a balanced way. And so that's part of our journey is to notice yeah, I might still be working towards growing my business or meeting a partner or whatever the thing is, but can I do it in a way that I am not clinging on to a specific result or not being driven solely by that clinging, by that craving? Can I have an open-handed, open-hearted experience with whatever direction I'm going? The teacher, Jack Kornfield, says, to let go does not mean to get rid of. To let go means to let be. This is where the acceptance comes in, right? When we can let go enough to let things be just however they are. Part of it is getting to know that feeling of when are we letting things be. I notice it when I'm on retreat or when I'm in nature or when I'm in water. There's a way that I am at peace in certain moments. And then I can get to know that feeling so I can see it in other moments or see when it's an option in other moments. See when I'm making choices that are taking me away from that kind of peace. From the Dhammapada, which is a collection of verses, this is number 205. Tasting the flavor of solitude and peace, one becomes free of distress and evil. Drinking the flavor of Dharma joy. What does Dharma joy taste like to you? Can you see that it is not conditional on having or being a certain thing? Earlier in my practice, I needed the word contentment. I didn't understand that joy could be peaceful. I always thought joy was super exuberant, which it can be. But I would find these moments of peace and I'd be like, well, that's not really joy. But I could see that that was contentment. And so that that word has really helped me. When am I feeling content? And do I notice that I'm not holding on to much? I'm just reflecting on moments over the last few days where I felt content. And in those moments, there's been a quietness in my mind. Like maybe the thoughts are still going, but they don't seem urgent or essential. I can tune them out in the background and just be Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams says, one of the extraordinary things about liberation is that you do not feel the need to control things when you're free. So much of clinging and craving for me is about wanting to control, is wanting the outcome to be a certain way, wanting to have some power over this ungovernable life that I'm living, that we're all living. When have you been able to take your hands off the wheel? When have you been able to surrender, let go of control, trust? What have you learned from that? I remember the first time I saw a picture of Buckwheat, I knew that he was our dog. I saw him on Pet Finder, and when I sent the application in and then got the email back from the rescue saying we were number seven on the list of people applying for him, I felt some anxiety. I went through the whole process. We had to do a phone interview and then a in-person thing. And there was this part inside of me that was at peace and knew that he was our dog. But then there was this other part of me that was so trying to control it or, yeah, like worrying about every little tiny thing that I couldn't control. And it was quite painful. And in the end, at the end of the day, we did adopt him. He is our dog. But if I had let go of some of that worry, if I had just gone through the steps of the process without adding this other layer of anxiety, I mean, maybe we wouldn't have got him. I don't know. But did the anxiety help us get him? No, absolutely not. So that's a good way to look at it sometimes is to notice situations where we add a layer to the process. We add this layer of anxiety or worry or control and imagine what it would have been like if we hadn't done that. Can we touch into that feeling? I've mentioned this book in a previous episode. It's called The First Free Women, Poems of the Early Buddhist Nuns. They're translations, adaptations of the Therigata, which is these early Buddhist nun poems, and this translation is by Maddie Weingast. And I'm going to read a couple of these. The first one is Mitakali, Friend of the Dark. I was always smart. If the path was good, I figured it would make me even smarter. One night while meditating, I watched my thoughts piling themselves up all around me. My mind built a house out of all those thoughts, then filled that house. Soon it was a whole city, a whole world. Oh, my beautiful, beautiful thoughts. Who will look after you after I'm gone? I swear I could weep. I could weep for all of you. My sisters, do you really want to be free? Are you ready to leave behind all your precious little houses and make your home everywhere? It's not as hard as you might think. First stand up, then walk out the door. A teacher I really admire, Michelle McDonald, says, We sacrifice the need to know what happens next. This poem is by Gutta, It's called Guardian. Going forth is no game. We leave whole lives behind, not just people and possessions. All your wants, all your fears, all the little rituals that get you through the day and tuck you in at night. Only see that all these pretty wooden pieces aren't you. They don't belong to you. They belong to the game. I know it's comforting to count up all the squares, run your fingers along the edge of the board, and plan out all your moves ahead of time. The world beyond the table only seems dark like empty space. It's okay to be afraid. So whatever word resonates with you, whatever phrase, whether it's letting go, surrender, relinquishing, renunciation, extinguishing, acceptance, notice how this might show up in your life. Notice what it feels like when you can let something go or let something be. Get to know that feeling. Get to know that peace. My teacher, Matthew Brensilver, says it's not even a choice between holding on and letting go. We all have to let go. Thank you so much for listening. The links are in our show notes. You can find me on Instagram at towardlight108 and the website is towardlight.net. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Be well.